Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello, hello, David Portman here from Up Next, postwrestling.com, youtube.com forward slash up next, patreon.com forward slash up next, and of course, you can find us on Twitter at Up Next Podcast. It is me at Davey Portman, but today I am not joined by at the Brady, Braden Harrington. Uh, I am joined with a gang of lost experts now this would normally be the the time of the month where we put up our free star wars review and we thought with it being may 4th star wars day yesterday that this would be the perfect month to completely abandon the galaxy far far away and talk about something completely different hey we we don't go with the trend here at up next we make our own rules so star wars day for us will be eight uh, will be june next month to complete the saga um but this month is uh celebrating something very dear to my heart and it is 10 years since the finale of lost aired on tv i can't believe it's it's flown by that long um lost is one of my favorite shows of all time you think i'm nerdy about nxt and star wars and wrestling as a whole you ain't seen nothing yet because this is the thing that I am uh, most passionate about, the most I've ever kind of got sucked into a whole world, uh, fantasy world, whatever you want to call it. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to go back and explore uh, the show that ran for six years, that, that kind of uh, reinvented TV, I would say, and that is lost so today i am joined as i said by some lost experts and we will be talking about that very first episode pilot part one and two 
that aired on September 22nd, 2004. And the first person I want to bring into the chat is our very own Claire Littleton, the Aussie of the group. We have Mr. David Sykes. David, how are you today? Good, man. Good. Pleasure to be here. So Looking forward to getting into the island, discussing all, discussing all the mysteries. Absolutely. Now, you are. Uh, I've known you for a few years now through uh, mainly a, a wrestling uh, Facebook group. And I, I had the pleasure of actually meeting you. I believe it was at, in New Orleans for WrestleMania yeah. 34. And uh, we both have a, uh, a mutual friend called John, uh, another listener of the show, and who we often nickname Jin. So quite often I, I will be uh, maybe after a few pops at night and scrolling through, seeing who's online. And obviously the Aussies, are their time zone is completely different. And I'll see our good friend Jin will be online and I'll send him a gif of Jin from Lost giving the thumbs up. And he'll be like, hey, you like Lost? You, you think you like Lost? You need to talk to David Sykes about Lost. That guy knows everything there is to know about Lost. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into these random discussions online at, uh, four o'clock in the morning for me, just talking about the island and stuff. So, um, I thought who better to have on this show than David Sykes. Now, David, it, you are in Australia. Uh, what is the time there right now? It is quarter past five in the morning. Damn. Now that's dedication because you really wanted to talk about this show and, um, you've been you've been off work uh, for a bit because of COVID, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, went back last week. Last week, and what is yeah. it you do, David? I uh, work in retail, working um like for a sportswear brand. Okay, and how's yeah. that? How's it being being back? Is it? Um, I mean, we've been alright. We've got the online marketplace that sort of carried us through. Right, but uh, yeah, starting back up. You know, it's good to be back, but uh. Yeah, last month's been a bit, you know, been a bit of a, been a bit uh, uncomfortable for everyone. I'm, I'm sure. Just yeah. Home. Uh, are you, are you happy to be back in the swing of it now? Yeah, yeah, definitely back in all routine. You know, nice. Back to nine to five. Um, and so I just want to, before I move on, just, uh, just maybe give, give me a little intro about yourself and kind of when you found Lost and, uh, when you started watching it and what hooked you uh, initially with the show. Um, it would have been like uh, primary school when Lost first come out. It was like a Thursday night schedule, and um, yeah, like I remember the first episode aired that next morning. That's all anyone could talk about. They promoted it like crazy on our on our local station, and um, yeah, within like three four weeks, like the teachers were talking about it. Everyone you'd walk past was talking about Lost, and that went on for a good few years. And uh, I just love the, I guess, that mystery box sort of element that that show brings, where every episode you walk away and you're just like, you, you, what you just watched, you don't fully comprehend. Yeah. But you're ready to find out what's next. Absolutely. Um, do you know if it aired kind of right, right as it was airing in the um, US? Because I know in the UK we got it probably like nine months later. It was, it was pretty delayed to start with. And I think it season was, two was already airing as we were like finishing up season one. Oh wow! Um, I feel like was it Monday night in the US? I uh, believe back when it aired, 
and then I think we would have got it like Thursday. It's probably about four or five days. Oh, okay. So you were pretty yeah. pretty up to date with it. Not then. too bad. Now I want to uh, move to my neck of the woods and now go over to Canada, where I, I guess you'll be the Kate Austin of the group, the Canadian uh, Kevin Hudson from Geek Centric. Uh, hello, Kevin. How are you? I am wonderful. I just got to say, I was terrified you were going to give me the Hurley tag, so that was a <laughs> no. Uh, and, you're out, and I don't Kevin. know. The more you guys get to know me, the more you'll see I'm kind of maybe even the Sawyer, if anything, uh, a <laughs> little a little cantankerous, but uh, I'll I'll try and keep it as friendly and civil as possible. Uh, but uh, doing all right over here. You're doing good. And now uh, you uh, you have this uh, YouTube channel and podcast called Geek Centric. So I thought maybe you'd want to uh, talk a little bit about that and say who you are and why uh, why you're the perfect choice to have on this show being a a massive geek, if you don't mind me saying. Oh no, I take that uh, as a as a compliment. Uh, yeah, so our uh, YouTube channel is uh, geek centric. Uh, we started uh, about two and a half years ago. Uh, we're close to thirty thousand subscribers now, and uh, essentially what we do is we uh, look at our love for pop culture through toys and collectibles, essentially. Um, and so the primary the the primary focus we have is. Uh, what we call fun boxing, um, different toys and collectibles. Uh, we often do, you know, uh, musical parodies and that sort of thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just, we, we, uh, we love pop culture, movies, television, sports, wrestling, everything. And, uh, so any chance, you know, I get to talk about something as significant as lost was to me when it was, you know, when it was first airing is, uh, is an absolute treat. And uh, I mean, again, because we're, you know, relatively new on the channel, we haven't looked at anything lost. And so this is an awesome uh, opportunity to do that. Yes. Uh, I know on I know on our podcast, uh, me and my other co-host or one of them, Nate, uh, we've had a few arguments about it as we have different memories of the show and how it ended. But uh, and so I think the last 10 years of my life has been spent upset about how everything ended of course i won't get into anything now um but i think it's an awesome chance to go back and rewatch for the first time since it did go off the air and uh my appreciation has certainly been renewed and restored up to the point uh at which i'm at in my rewatch right now so absolutely and i know that's that's one of the reasons why i wanted to get you on because uh i listened to your show and i I heard you, I, and I know people get like this when they listen to Braden and I talk about films or NXT or whatever, but I, I'm listening to you and Nate get heated about Lost, and I'm just walking around the streets with you in my ears, and I'm kind of wanting to yell out stuff and join in the conversation, so I thought you'd be a great person to get on the show, and yeah, I think once we get to that review of the finale in a couple of weeks... Um, that's where the the gloves are coming off i feel and but i think i think we're all going to be in the same uh the same boat the same fuselage for this episode here cuz not not a great deal to criticize as far as i'm concerned with this pilot and finally let's go over I i'm trying to think who you would be um and I, I guess you'd be the rose of the of the troop here um coming from living living right there in in manhattan i think she's more bronx but um uh she's the new yorker of of the lost world so we are going to mj from mj no stranger to to most of you i'm sure mj how are you today 
Doing well, Davey. And if uh, we're going to get that level of callback to detail, I can't wait to go back to the island with you. <laughs> so, uh, MJ, you are you're a massive fan of this show as well. I, I think I've I've name dropped Lost um, a bunch of. Uh, I like my metaphors when I'm talking about wrestling and stuff, and will often uh, compare things to Lost or Game of Thrones or other other shows that I'm I'm familiar with. And uh, I think whenever I've kind of name checked Lost, you've you've messaged me going like, oh, you, you need to do a Lost review. You need to do a Lost review. And um, one day maybe I'll do the full podcast, but um, I thought I'd better get you on because you clearly know what you're talking about. Um, did you did you start watching this like as soon as it aired or were you someone who kind of caught up uh, midway through? So I caught up midway through and I think that uh, really sparked my love for the show. It was the... First show I recall that felt very binge-worthy, and now we think about television in the sense of binging TV, um, and we've seen a lot of shows gain popularity through that that method of watching. For me, this was the first. Um, in fact, I remember doing it with DVDs, and, and I'm sure some listeners may not even know what DVDs are, <laughs> um, for, but it's a callback, and uh, I just remember it being an event-like viewing experience. Um, this When I started watching, it was the summer of 2008. Um, I had just finished my first year of college, and I remember people running around the dorms, gathering together to watch it whatever night it aired, and really having viewing parties. So for me, it was, okay, I'm going to use the summer, I'm going to catch up, and then um, I think watching it all so quickly, especially over a summer break, uh, I was able to kind of deep dive myself into it, and uh, people who know me from the post forums know I like to kind of dig into things and debate things, and Lost was was that for me um, in the summer of 2008. So you mentioned like the binge-worthy quality of the show and and message boards as well because that this is something I feel is is starting to kind of die and lack in TV nowadays. Um I'd say there've been two shows for me since Lost that have had the same level of um anticipation and just intrigue week to week and that would be Breaking Bad and that would be Game of Thrones. And I think there's something so uh rewarding of having to wait a whole other week to watch 40 minutes to an hour's worth of tv and then you have that time to go online go on the message boards theorize everything and i'd say to anyone who is watching this show for the first time like look at everything in every scene look at look at little um like candy bars or wrappers or things that are going on in the TV in the background because there are just Easter eggs throughout. And it was such a cool show to kind of finish watching an episode. Um, I would then listen to a podcast and I'd go online and i discover all these things I've missed that that people on the internet have found. Um, I actually got any British listeners. Um, I got chosen to be on a TV show called Richard and Judy. Now, they're these two morning tv presenters husband and wife been going for years and years they moved on to have like a regular like five o'clock show on weeknights and they did a uh a show uh an episode on lost and they asked people to send in their theories and um they would choose people to come and meet some of the cast and give their theories uh on tv so i got chosen and ended up filming my bit 
David Walliams from Little Britain talked far too long, so they never aired my thing, and they never even cleared it with the cast's agents that uh, fans would be able to meet them. So got to stay in the same room as the likes of Hurley and Jin, but didn't even get to say hello. So it, it kind of sucked, um, and I might go into actually what that theory is in the next episode. But I feel it might be time to go back to that date, September 22nd, 2004 where it all begins now the show opens with the shot of an eye opening and we see a man in a suit lying in the jungle golden labrador runs up to him and runs off um the the music at this point is like this humming it's kind of quiet uh there's some cuts on this guy's face but he doesn't look too bad he finds a little like bottle of vodka like you get on an airplane in his pocket uh he starts running through the jungle and we see a white sneaker hanging up in a tree he comes out of the clearing onto the beach and that's where we start to see the screams hear the screams the camera pans around and we see the wreckage of a plane we see all the casualties they're screaming one engine is just roaring still spinning round uh jack sorry i'm saying jack here we don't know who this guy is at this point uh but the man in the suit is trying to clear people away from the engine one guy gets sucked into it and it explodes um and then we see uh this our hero here tell a rather large guy to look after this pregnant lady and he goes hey what's your name and that's where it's revealed the hero of the show jack uh we see a guy trying to to save a a woman's life who isn't breathing and jack tells him that he's doing it all wrong and he could actually end up killing her um the guy trying to save her life says he's a uh he's got a lifeguard license and well jack suggests well maybe you should be giving that back and then hurley uh the big guy jack and claire the pregnant lady all run out the way as one of the wings falls down and explodes huge explosion to start the show uh what an opening scene kevin do you want to start there um I I just it, it, watching it again. It's just it's incredible how big it all feels. How how like this is it's the biggest. It's it's like a movie experience on your TV. Like it was just so unprecedented to see the kind of budget and scope and scale that they put into this episode. I think the two episodes cost fourteen million dollars, and so they were deadly serious about investing a lot of money to make this epic epic experience and i just think not only are these two episodes the greatest pilot episode for any show in history this might be the best opening 10 minutes in television history it is just so much going on and the way you're experiencing it through the lens of jack and just the way the sound of every all the chaos comes into him as he hits the beats and then looks over at the utter chaos it was like it felt just as powerful rewatching it again all these years later. Absolutely. MJ. You mentioned, you mentioned seeing the whole scene kind of unfold through the eyes of Jack. It's the first eye we see of the show. It gives you the main, it gives you your protagonist. It gives you a main character without any dialogue. And so much of this show is so rich in dialogue, but yet for them to come out off the jump and, and present to you this scene that feels like a movie. You said $14 million was spent at the time. It was, 
one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive pilot ever. They brought in a full plane and dressed it down to create that kind of um, cinematic in your home, in your face. ABC wanted you to know this is a show to pay attention to. And it, this first 10 minutes captures you. David. Yeah, and the thing I love about this opening is um, when Jack gets on the beach, he looks out and you see, like, the secondary characters that we're later introduced to, but you see, like, sort of who they are without even knowing them. Like, Jin's looking for Sun. Claire's just screaming, like, chucking a tantrum. Uh, I can't remember if someone else as well. Oh, Charlie. Charlie's just lost, you know? You've got Michael and it's just yelling. Like a great introduction. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. Right away, you, there's already an intrigue in these characters, who they are, what their story is, right off the bat. Um, you mentioned about the budget. Um, it, yeah, they estimated about ten to fourteen million. Um, this plane isn't no set. This is a an actual plane that they got and destroyed uh, for this uh, for this scene and for this show. The the president of ABC at the time who commissioned this, uh, Lloyd Braun, was actually fired for spending so much money on this show, which it's uh, ABC weren't doing too great at the time. And yeah, I can understand what you spent $14 million on a pilot, which was unprecedented at the time. Looking back, if he didn't, like th- this, I honestly believe this changed TV. Uh this not just the show but this episode changed tv so maybe maybe there's some apologies that need to be going uh towards uh lloyd braun there it's a show that is presenting a plane crash and yet we see many survivors on the island many survivors on the beach we see people running around we see people kind of unscathed jack is almost unscathed minus a few cuts and bruises if we're going to believe this it has to be enriched with kind of the live action and that's what this was so to the person who gave the green light on this uh, i think they knew what they were doing because they knew the premise uh, this had to be um you know as rich as it was so maybe let's just go into the premise a little bit before we move on um the the original concept for this show was um like the the reality tv show survivor meets lord of the flies and uh, a script was initially written by uh, a guy named Jeffrey Lieber. And this then got handed to a guy, you, you may have heard his name. It's J.J. Abrams. Uh, he's done a couple of little films called Star Wars in, in recent years. Um, and between J.J. and Damon Lindelof, they pretty much changed everything. The idea of the island is still there, but they they started having these thoughts of um, making it a bit more supernatural. Uh, now, Jeffrey Lieber still gets a creative co- uh, credit because uh, the kind of the initial nugget was there from him. And a little a little fact is he is he is in pretty much every episode because the voice that says previously on Lost at the beginning of e- every episode is Jeffrey Lieber. And it was almost, I believe, a kind of thank you to him for kind of uh, kickstarting this all off, Kevin. Well, from what I understand, even though, again, the premise was changed and they've moved on entirely without him, he still gets the credit for having created the show and made millions of dollars, though he was not actually part of, of having written any of the episodes or anything. So he did all right, even though, you know, he did all right. unlike, unlike Braun, you know, 
who was who was pitched away and and really received nothing, you know, even though his decision to to you know create such a lavish and and explosive uh, pilot sort of led to the instant popularity and success of the show. He gets nothing but uh, Lieberman for saying, "Ah, we'll do an island," and and you know. And that's about all he has to do with it. He came up with an island and the name lost. (laughs) That was essentially it. Uh, Bless him. So we then start to hear Michael Giacchino's beautiful score as uh, everything on the beach is kind of starting to settle down. Um, Jack is trying to find some sewing equipment and goes off to a kind of a little private area on the beach. And we are introduced to Kate who comes out of the bushes rubbing her wrists and Jack asks her if she has ever sewed anything before, any drapes or curtains or anything. And he reveals that he's wounded. He's got some deep cuts in the side of his body and uh, wants her to sew him up. We then uh, see uh, a character called Saeed, uh, an Iraqi, uh, who asks Charlie, who I guess if I'm giving everyone's names, I, I gotta be Charlie, right? The, the Brit on the plane. Um, uh, who asks him to help build a big fire, uh, cause they need to try and, uh, have a distress signal so any planes flying overhead can see them. And we're introduced to Rose, uh, who is clutching onto her wedding ring tied around a necklace on her neck. We go back to Jack and Kate. And uh, Kate is basically showing how scared she is about everything going on. And Jack says that he knows about fear and reveals that he's a, a spinal surgeon. And when he started off his career, there was this, this girl that came in from an accident and he, he like nicked her and basically loads of spinal fluid and things were like, rushing out and she knew she was going to die if he didn't operate quick and he let the fear overtake him for five seconds counted to five the fear went away he sewed her up and she was fine kevin oh sorry i thought you wanted to say something oh no, i'm just list i'm okay. captivated <laughs> by your retelling sorry. Uh, i believe this was one of the kind of audition scenes uh with uh jack and kate here so it's really fun going back and i'm sure they're all on youtube i remember them quite clearly being on the dvd extras you can watch a lot of the cast reading um different different parts for this show so you had um, I believe there's a video of Yunjin Kim who plays Sun, the Korean lady, uh, reading Kate's lines uh, in this scene as she or- originally auditioned for Kate. Um, I think I, for me, this is a, the first kind of real piece of dialogue here. And it gave me faith that these writers can actually write human beings and write dialogue as well, because... That's so often I find in, in TV especially. And there are, there are hokey lines throughout the series of Lost. Absolutely. There are, there are weaker bits of dialogue here and there, but I think a really, a really strong scene. And I can see why they'd have picked this as an audition scene for both, both actors for Kate and Jack. MJ. Yeah. For a show that, you know, the first scene we, we talked about the explosiveness, the show hooks you with the kind of the mystery or the, the in your face, uh, explosions. 
but then it really keeps you captivated with these kind of moments of these human to human conversations. Um, they're littered throughout the show. We see great writing throughout. Um, we see storytelling weave throughout and we'll get to that. Um, but this, I rewatched this, uh, pilot and this kind of immediately it had been maybe 10, it's been 10 years since I rewatched the show. I had not gone back to it since it concluded and immediately in seeing their interaction, Kate and Jack right there. Um, he tells her the little story. She acts upon the story. I'm right back to being with these characters. Um, and on the rewatch, that was something that really kind of reminded me of how, how great of characters in the actors, how well they played those personas. I uh, came across David. Yeah. And in this, in this uh, scene, you already understand that Jack's going to be the leader from that first scene, but now you understand that he's going to be that sense of calm yeah. amongst the guys. And uh, it's a little thing, but when he's talking about that operation that he had, he mentions the nerves coming out like angel hair pasta. Yes. And it's just such an image that just hits you and it's just, it's grotesque, but it's very, very colorful in its own way. Yeah. Kevin. And I just, I just think the pacing of these first two episodes is so incredible. And that again, you start off with that 10 minutes of just pure chaos and then they slow you right down and bring you into the characters. And then as we go on, something else big is going to happen. And then there's almost a lighter moment to let you breathe, to let you sort of soak in what's going on. And you might laugh at a character, say Hurley or Charlie. They sort of bring a, a lightness to this episode, even John Locke, uh, and, you know. And so I just think the way over this first hour and a half that they they are throwing so much at you, but also giving you time to sort of take it all in and, and meet these characters was just so well done. And it, it really has to be watched as as a two-parter in one go. You can't... There, there are so many characters that aren't touched on at all in the first hour. And I I know in the UK it was aired back-to-back. I'm not sure in the US if it was... All no, it was, it was two weeks. Oh, that's horrible. So they made you wait the, the week out. Yeah, so... That's, that would have been awful. That's tough, yeah, because we definitely watched it as a movie in the UK, and it it lends itself to that. As you say, it, it's got that kind of format of, I, I don't know the exact kind of rule, quote-unquote, but in action films, they say that action needs to happen every, was it 12 minutes or something like that? And it, it's kind of got that formula where it, it does bring it down, and then we've got, okay, we're going to introduce something else that's crazy on this island. Uh, so Night Falls... We see Charlie, who has uh, kind of these plasters around his knuckles, and he's writing the letters F-A-T-E, Fate. They start talking about how no one has come by yet. Um, we are introduced to Shannon and Boone. Boone is the, the, the useless lifeguard. Um, Shannon is your kind of typical spoiled brat blonde, um, played by Maggie Grace, who you may know as constantly being taken away from Liam Neeson. Um, Shannon is convinced someone's going to come by, so refuses a chocolate bar. She she ain't going to start eating chocolate now just because they're crashed on an island. She needs to watch that figure <laughs> of hers. Uh, we see Hurley, who has kind of become in charge of the food. He's found the, the like, uh, flight food and is taking them around, passing them out to each person and gives Claire the pregnant lady one, and then he comes back and gives her a second, which I think is is really sweet. Hurley, obviously, he's he's a big guy. He's he's an obese guy, and to see this guy who obviously enjoys his food, um, caring enough to give 
two to the pregnant lady, I think is pretty sweet here and, and really comments on his character uh, for the rest of the show. We see a father and son, Michael and Walt, and the son is just ignoring the father here. We're introduced to a Korean couple, Sun and Jin. Uh, Jin is telling her to not leave his side, whatever they do, and do not talk to anyone else on the island, just to stay with him. Uh, Jack is checking on a man who has shrapnel sticking out of him, and Kate says that he was sat next to her the whole time. Uh, Jack is then holding a bit of imagery here, a leaf shaped like an aeroplane, as he's giving his uh, theory on what happened. Um, he says that he blacked out on the on the plane, um, but Kate says she saw the whole thing, that the tail broke off, and then the front of the plane broke off as well. So Jack thinks that they should go on a little mission to find the cockpit, because... If he finds the cockpit, he might find like the black box, might find a transceiver, may be able to put out a rescue signal. Kate reveals that she saw smoke further in the island and that she wants to join him and reveals that her name is, in fact, Kate. It isn't the wasp. It is Kate. Um, and that's where a bit of action happens again. We hear some crazy noise from the jungle we see the trees start to move walt asks if it is vincent at this point we don't know what who or what vincent is and this noise it's kind of the mix between uh like mechanical ticking there's a hissing noise there's almost like some kind of creature sound a foghorn as well it's it's really hard to describe what this sound is. And we get a beautiful shot of our entire lead cast lining up on the beach, looking towards the jungle. Thoughts, guys? David? I think this is the, this is the, the first water cooler moment about Lost. This was like, after this episode, everyone was like, what is in that jungle? Is it a T-Rex? Is it a giant bear? You know, you had no idea, but it was... You just had to see what happened next. It was so engaging. Kevin. Yeah, it was, it was that first indication that not, you know, not as all, it's not all as it seems, you know, something is different about this place. And, and I just think the sound design on whatever's in the forest is just, it's so incredibly well done. You know, it gives nothing away and just makes you so curious as to what's really going on. And this was when I went, Oh, I need to know everything about where they are and what's going on. There's there's a line from Rose at some point where she says there's something awfully familiar about the noise, and that's what the creators wanted to do. They 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 essentially just threw a load of sounds together to create this thing, and it's it's familiar yet you can't put your finger on it. And I believe one of the noises they use is the um like the receipt machine in a New York taxi. The and that's a noise they use a lot because for so many listeners, that's that's a noise they're familiar with and they, they hear. Um, but yeah, this this is where it goes. Hey, this isn't a show about people trying to survive a plane crash. There's something more to this. And I've had an argument with so many people where they're like, yeah, I liked Lost. And then it got a bit too silly and supernatural for me. And I'm like, there's... There's a sound of a monster within the first 20 minutes of the pilot. What are you talking about? Um, MJ. 
this is where the island becomes a character itself. And and for a show that's so devoted to the stories of its characters, this is the first moment where we meet after, after the initial survivors of the crash, we meet the island. Um, the, the sound effects, the, the audio that goes in throughout the uh, pilot, uh, whether it's the engine blasting and then, you know, the silence that kind of besets the island as, as they're sitting on the beach. And then this noise, it, it, it is familiar, but it's also, speaks to you as like okay something's going on here um so as if you know you haven't been hooked in enough here here's here's the mystery element we have our first flashback of the show we see jack sitting on the plane uh the stewardess uh cindy comes past and uh jack saying hey cindy my drink isn't strong enough give me more alcohol so she she hands him a couple of bottles of vodka always ask for two guys that this is something my dad always told me when they come round, those bottles are small always get two and then wait for them to come round again um jack gets up jack chucks his vodka gets up to go to the toilet and a guy charlie uh meriadoc brandy buck as some of you may know him pushes past him and we see rose the lady who's on the island clasping her wedding ring um who says that she doesn't like turbulence. Uh, her husband has just gone to the toilet and Jack promises to keep her company until the turbulence is done and her husband's back. But the turbulence starts getting crazier and crazier. The oxygen masks drop down. The plane's going crazy. Jack passes out and then we're back present day on the island. Um, yeah, this is the first flashback of the whole show and a, a concept that that will stay with the show and is is relied on a lot um again a bit of a a surprise to me when it first happened it's it's yeah i didn't feel we'd be getting these flashbacks mj so i i had mentioned off the top that i started the show in the summer of 2008 for you guys who watched it when it first premiered did you expect the flashbacks to be a recurring thing because by the time i I had seen it i kind of had an idea that this was part of the show um but the very first time you get this flashback it's hard to say. I think for me, I, I figured maybe this would just be a device for the pilot. So we we saw how the plane crashed. And I I don't think back then I even thought that the actual reason the plane crashed would be part of the mystery. I just figured, oh, okay, we're now going to see what happens to make this uh, kind of blow up in the sky. Um, but obviously, yeah, it becomes a, a construct they use throughout where it, it's a way to dive into these people's past. But no, it... it, it I wasn't expecting it. Uh, David, what what about you? I think after episode three, you understand this is the pace of the show. Yeah. And this is how it's going to be presented. Uh, Kevin, anything to add? Uh, yeah, no, certainly at first you have no idea that this is going to be such an integral part to the actual storytelling of the show. Um, yeah, so it was it, it it was just, you know, sort of a means to an end at the point. You had no idea how significant it would all become. MJ? Kevin, you mentioned earlier that the the sequence of events throughout the pilot, how it kind of it sets the um, the cadence of the show, kind of what you're what you're going to get, which is uh, action and then you know dialogue and then mystery or something like that. Um, and you just said now here uh, that it, this is by episode three we got the pace of the show. It's a credit to the showrunners and to the directing and the, the the creation of this in the pilot that they kind of had this piece together already when they start filming and they produce the very first episode, because this is the formula that works throughout the rest of the series. Um, so kind of looking back at this pilot now, it's, wow, they, they 
they did have a structure in place that they didn't really have to deviate from too much. And it's a device that is definitely overused now. Um, a lot of a- everything after this show aired, after the first season aired, tried to be lost. And the flashback formula was then kind of done to death. And I'm not saying Lost created the idea of a flashback, but I think they definitely um, improved the idea of it, of being able to to dive deeper into kind of someone's state of why they are the person they are. Um, they they did use it very well. And it, it does... Uh, I don't want to get too much into the future because that's where we'll be going in the next couple of weeks. But... Uh, it does definitely get tired after a while, but it is, especially season one, it's it's very refreshing, I found, at this point in 2004. Uh, Kevin? Oh, it, 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 you want to see what happened to these people before the island as much as you want to see what's going to happen to them next. Yes. In particular, during that first season, you, you're, you're so instantly... Uh, enamored with these people and so curious about them that you want to know where they've come from and, and who they are and, and that sort of idea. And so the whole first season, that back and forth journey between the past and the present was was amazing. Again, you said other shows did it to death. I mean, I think Lost ended up, you know, doing it over uh, overdoing it a bit to a point where they have to reinvent themselves as they go forward. We won't get into anything, but <laughs> certainly that first season is um, is just fantastic. To, to sort of explore the characters that way. And it, it makes you realise as much of this show is about the mystery, to me, the show is always about the characters. And I think that's where so many other shows failed after this. I remember there were shows like, uh, what was there? There was Flash Forward, there were Heroes, there was Invasion, there was Alcatraz. Alcatraz, Exactly. Yeah. And they were all mystery shows. They were all like, we're going to end each episode asking you five questions and maybe answering one. But the cut, like the characters were just nothing. And this, this whole um, concept of flashbacks here is to make you care about who each person on this island is. And therefore you can have a, a filler episode and you don't mind so much because you're spending time with these characters that you are genuinely interested in and are happy to spend an hour of your evening with um and i think that's one of the biggest strengths of this show kevin well and and just to to, not to deviate too far here but just to talk about the characters really quickly uh you know you talked about earlier how you know the, the different actors came into addition for different parts and it was like the creators ended up rewriting and creating new characters based on the actors that came in you know, um, Dominic Monaghan came in to play Sawyer um, and they liked him better for the character of Charlie, who was originally an older washed up rock star. And they rewrote the character to fit him. They created the character of Sun for her. Uh, you know, it's so it's amazing that they they did just they found these perfect actors and created characters for them based on th- that they would be absolutely perfect for. And it just worked out so well for them. Absolutely. I believe Hurley auditioned for um, Sawyer as well. I think Jin auditioned for Jack. Um, yes. And I know the, the idea they had in mind for, for Sawyer, who we haven't really met at this point, but the idea of him was more of your uh, Danny Ocean con man. Like a very sophisticated, suave, uh, like James Bond-esque con man. And uh, Josh Holloway brought something completely different to the audition. And they went, nope, 
that that's our Sawyer. That's Sawyer. Yeah. It's and I I think that's a real credit to them. And also like as uh like as an actor, it it's really it's really awesome watching uh watching the auditions and and you see it as the series goes on you see people turn up for for one episode and just blow people away with how incredible they are as an actor that they go we gotta keep this guy we gotta create something for this kevin jack himself right yeah like i mean i don't know if we should if we're jumping to the end but something's supposed to happen to jack in the first episode and it doesn't yeah Right. From all, by all accounts, he's supposed to kick the bucket and, you know, yeah, clearly didn't. Absolutely. Yeah, um, he, he was. He was originally meant to be written out um, to be kind of this shock death. But then they, he was too much of a good leader that they were going, ah, we can't do that. And um, which which showed originally like how brave the, the show was in its writing and how different they wanted to be. And uh it might have been cool to have ridden out of the first episode, but I, I think they made the right choice keeping him on because he's a constant throughout this whole show. Um, let's get back into it. So we're back on the island. Uh, Jack is, this is a recurring theme here, trying to get Kate not to go with him on a mission. Um, this will happen pretty much in every episode of Lost. Kate will go, hey, I want to join you. And Jack goes, no, I don't want you to join me. Um, tells her to get, uh, better shoes if she's going to join him. And then this is, this is pretty grim. You see Kate walking amongst the, the dead bodies, um, trying to find a pair of shoes that fit her. Um, it kind of brings to reality sort of the death here and that not everyone is so lucky. And we see, a bald man sat on the beach who turns around and smiles at Kate and has an orange in his mouth. And that is the introduction to one of the most important characters in this whole series. But I, I think this might be his only scene in the in the first episode of the pilot. MJ. David, do you know what this is a callback to or what this is in reference to? Uh, another moment in uh, pop culture history? No. It's from The Godfather. Okay. The idea of smiling with the orange. Right. Um, there's something about John Locke um, that just feels very uh, like somebody who's always conspiring something. So I always like the fact that this was a reference or a deep reference to The Godfather. Yeah. No, that that's right. I remember people being the next day at school like, ah, there's more to that bald guy. That bald guy knows something. That bald guy knows something. Uh, David, he, he's silent here, and in this episode as well, uh, there's another shot of Locke where he's just sitting on the beach. It's like a two-second shot. He's sitting on the beach, and there's like the storms coming in. Yeah, or it might be the part two of the pilot, but I think it's part one. So you got that, and then you got the orange in the mouth. So you instantly get this sense of mystery, and like you get a sense that this guy's the villain, which I don't think's a. I don't know if that's the case later on, but that's the sense you get in the first episode. This guy's up to something else. Which is fantastic that you can give this guy no dialogue and maybe 10 seconds max of screen time and he's one of the guys you're interested in at the end of this. Uh, we see Hurley who approaches the gang and says that they should really start doing something about the bodies um, because they're starting to smell a bit. Uh, Jack tells them that he's heading to the cockpit 
and asks Boone, the the useless lifeguard, to look after the man with the shrapnel in. Charlie overhears that they're going to the cockpit and wants to join them on their mission. So we have Kate, Charlie, and Jack going on the first hike of the series to the cockpit. Uh, Kate thinks she knows Charlie, um, and he starts singing, You all, everybody! You all, everybody! And Kate has no idea what he's doing, and he says, I am Driveshaft. Uh, he's in a <laughs> band called Driveshaft, and they had this massive hit called You All, Everybody!, um and Kate goes to Jack. Hey, did 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 you know this guy's in drive shaft? And Jack completely no sells it. Doesn't give a a flying fuck about who Charlie is, who uh who drive shaft is. Um and I uh, you've got to feel for poor Charlie here cuz uh he's he's just trying to impress the pretty lady. um during the hike it starts to piss down with rain out of nowhere and this is the shot you were mentioning david uh where you just see that the the bald man john Locke is just sat there as if it's nothing um we see Jin who uh is getting shelter with sun uh someone else tries to shelter under them and he tells him to i assume i don't speak korean but i assume it's fuck off um (laughs) they they're all finding shelter from the storm and we hear that noise from the jungle again. And Jack, Charlie, and Kate find the cockpit. Uh, they're moving their way to the front of the train, uh, sorry, of the plane. Um, there's bodies that are just falling out of their seats. They get to the cockpit and the pilot wakes up. Now, are any of you familiar with who the pilot is? Kevin. JJ's best buddy Greg Grunberg making his obligatory appearance so I believe Greg Grunberg is in every JJ project ever Uh, I think they're best mates from school and he's kind of their his lucky charm you he's even he even gets to get be in Star Wars this guy Um, maybe one of the luckiest actors around Um, so this is uh, Greg Grunberg playing the pilot and the first thing here which I always love this little thing. Um, whenever you see pilots in films, the very first question is how many survived? It's, it's always their mission is to, to save everyone, to save as many people as possible, not caring about where they are, how he is, but how many survived. And we learn that there are at least 48 survivors. It has been 16 hours since the crash. Pilot asks if anyone has come yet, which obviously no one has. And we learn a bit more about what happened. So they were six hours into the journey when the radio went out. So no one could see them. And they tried to turn back to land in Fiji, but then turbulence hit. So by the time they hit turbulence, they were a thousand miles off course. So if anyone is actually looking for them, they would be looking in completely the wrong place. Um, Jack asks where Charlie is because he's not in there with him and manages to get the transceiver. We see Charlie come out of the bathroom again, looking rather suspicious, and we hear the monster noise again. We see this big shadow walk past the front window of the plane. The pilot looks out the window to see what's happened and just gets dragged away. Blood splatters across the window. Jack manages to grab the transceiver 
and they run. They run through the jungle. It's pouring down with rain. We're hearing this monster noise. Uh, Charlie at one point gets his foot caught in a branch and Jack saves him. Kate hides in some trees and screams for Jack. We hear the monster noise. She's absolutely terrified and starts to do what Jack told her to do earlier in the show. She counts to five. The sun uh, starts to rise and the the like the the rain stops and Charlie bumps into Kate. Uh, they say he says that him and Jack got separated, so they start going looking for Jack. And Charlie's like, "Huh, Kate, I heard you call after Jack. Um, hi, I'm Charlie, by the way. Uh, nice for you to care about me." Um, they then find the pilot wings, uh, the kind of badge on the ground. And we see a reflection in the water on the floor of a body hung up in the trees. Jack comes out and reveals it's the pilot. And Charlie goes, guys, how does something like that happen? And the camera pans and we see the bloody pilot in the trees. Lost. <clears throat> End of episode one. Uh, guys. Wow. Um, what a what a fantastic final scene just the the drama of these guys like sprinting through the rain that crazy noise of this monster that we don't see the pilot in the trees what the hell is going on uh who wants to kick things off david it was just uh it's so intense that those last five minutes the thing i love about that episode is uh when they're in the cockpit as the monster or as whatever is in the jungle is there they're like trying to like clear the window to see what it is and see where it is and you get a sense of like you don't know what it is but neither do they yeah so you're a part of this journey with them as they're trying to find out what's going on you're trying to find out the same thing absolutely you're in the same boat as they are um and this is the point um as kevin mentioned where in the original script uh, the camera pans up and it's actually jack who is in the trees dead um, so that was the or an original end to this first episode. Uh, any other thoughts on part one of the pilot, guys? MJ? Yeah, just one thought on the... Um, this is the first time we kind of go off on a separate mission with some characters. Um, and this is something that happens again throughout the show. But um, just this idea that, like you said, David, like we're learning about the mysteries of the show with these characters. Our viewpoint is very much aligned. Harkening uh, back to that very first scene where we you know, see Jack's eye. It's like, we are now experiencing this through their eyes also in the same kind of, um, what we know and what we don't know. Um, so it, it's fun to kind of go off on these missions with these characters. There's so many characters that, um, over the course of the series, you kind of mix and match different pairings and certainly Charlie, um, and his drive shaft stuff is uh, very fun to see. <laughs> Talking of Charlie, how much do you think he was originally intended for this mission? Um, Return of the King came out 2003. So that was like Dominic Monaghan would have been pretty recognizable at this point as the Hobbit in, in Lord of the Rings. And I kind of feel as we move on, we, we, we get a lot more alpha males in the show who are, who are more prone to go on these missions. Um, Charlie's an interesting choice and I wonder how much of it is sort of the star power in 2004 of having this is one of your central guys this is the guy from Lord of the Rings this is a movie star in your pilot um, especially when you mentioned that he was originally intended to be a kind of like washed up older rock star um, 
I don't know. It's it's just a thought because definitely it was one of the reasons I wanted to watch the show. I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, and I was like, huh, I I want to watch that show with with Mary from Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> um, so yeah, just I'm interested to see whether that was part of it, MJ. Yeah, I think tr- you mentioned before they wrote the characters and they rewrote some characters to match the the people who came into audition and who fit for what. Um, yeah, absolutely. Charlie has a recon- recognizable face to have that in the pilot to have kind of his um, his star power there, but it also fits the character. And I think we learn more about Charlie as the kind of the pilot goes on. We learn more in season one. This is the type of character that is looking for attention or wants to be part of something, but doesn't quite always get it. We see this with the drive shaft uh, kind of tongue in cheek of, of, you know, Jack, no selling it. Um, but also he means well, despite having some troubled past and like with a lot of the characters, um, you know, it fits very well in this uh, pilot. Absolutely. Kevin. Well, and he's also on a specific mission for himself, right? He's got selfish ulterior motives to, to be going there himself. Right. So that's, um, I now just uh, for the ending of this episode here, and I don't know how much I can say, because again, we're trying to be spoiler free and everything, but you know, the the death of the pilot is the first sort of mystery that we never really get an answer to. Um, you know, so again, I don't want to say too, too much again, but we never find out why it happens, you know? True. Um, I mean, why? Yeah, I, I think that's something we can circle back to next week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we'll definitely do... Uh, maybe maybe we'll save it for our finale thing. I, I want us all to come up with a list of kind of unanswered questions and see if between us we can try and answer them. Um, so, yeah, ju- pencil that one in, Kev. Yes, uh, yes. See, I, again, I didn't want to get too far off on it. But. Absolutely. No, but I, I yeah, we, we can kind of sort of bring up things. Uh, MJ. I always love the literary device of them actually killing the pilot here. I know it's supposed to be Jack, but. You traditionally um, associate a pilot, uh, like the, the captain of the, the captain of the ship, pilot of the plane. He's going to be a leader type figure, and they dispose of him so quickly. It did set precedent for like people will die, especially in the case of a pilot, someone you wouldn't expect to die. Um, you know, lives are going to be lost here, and uh, pun intended. And that, as the end of a pilot, I thought really was like resonated with me. Yeah, it's it's the first time the, the that an episode called the pilot actually you know it 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 could actually be a title and not just what episode it is you know it's Absolutely. not just the pilot episode it's called pilot you yes. know so uh, while uh, back in two thousand and four Kevin had to wait a whole week to see the next episode I probably just got up got myself a glass of water and sat back down to part two of pilot. So we see Charlie, Kate, and Jack walking through the jungle. Uh, Charlie is bugging Jack to see if the transmitter is working. Uh, Kate asks Charlie why he was in the bathroom, and he just makes up an excuse that he was he was feeling sick and says every mission needs a coward. Um, kind of, kind of a, a very British thing here with Charlie, just putting himself down. Um, and Kate says, "You're not a coward." 
And we then go to a Charlie flashback. We see Charlie on the plane. He's tapping away with his fingers. He's acting very suspicious and the flight crew notice it. He gets up, storms past Jack uh, to go to the bathroom and he pulls out a bag of heroin, which he uh, he rubs on his gums. The crew are knocking on the door. Uh, the fasten your seatbelt light has come on and... He goes to flush the drugs down the toilet, but that's when the turbulence hits. He flies up in the air. Uh, he frantically gets out of the toilet and goes to like buckle himself into a seat before the plane comes crashing down. So right away, uh, we've learned, like, I guess the, the answer to a first mystery. What was Charlie doing in the bathroom? Well, he wants his drugs back. Um, guys, what do we think? Um, I think this is uh, I think this is the first time that you realize that the flashbacks are essential to this show. You get you get where Charlie's at now, but now I need to know how we got to that point. Yes, and maybe an execution is not as good as you oh, in that situation. But with most characters, their their story to the island is just as good as when they're on the island. Absolutely, and Charlie has been slightly annoying, but a relatively nice guy as well who um who they're having as as the junkie here so revealing this kind of dark past and it's you're right it's the first time you kind of think oh there's gonna be something in all of these people's past that has is maybe haunting them or carrying them through to the island um we go back to the actual beach itself and boone is sorting through some clothes as shannon is sunbathing uh, she says he's just wasting his time. Claire asks Shannon if Boone <clears throat> is her boyfriend, and she says no. Uh, they're brother and sister, and uh, Claire reveals that she hasn't felt her baby move since yesterday. We see Jin fishing, and Michael comes out of the clearing asking, um, asking Sun if she has seen his boy. Uh, she replies in Korean, and Jin tells her to cover up. Um, Jin is definitely uh, maybe the main heel in the first few episodes of this show, uh, of the characters. There is nothing likable about him. He's just, um, like, obviously this is a very kind of, uh, controlling husband asking his wife to cover up, not talk to anyone. Uh, he only speaks in Korean, so there's no other way he can really communicate to anyone here. Um... I would say from the pilot, I remember at the time, um, these maybe being my least interesting characters of the whole bunch. Um, that does change, definitely, as the show goes on. But here, you're just like, oh, this is the dick Korean guy. Um, we then see Walt, the, the young boy who is looking for Vincent, his dog, and finds a pair of handcuffs on the ground. Uh, Michael, his father, ends up finding him, starts lecturing him, and looks concerned um, by the by the handcuffs, realizing that there must have been maybe a fugitive on the flight. Uh, Said and Sawyer uh, are fighting. It's a pretty nasty fight. Sawyer's throwing sand in his eyes. Um, first thing we've really seen from Sawyer at all. Um, they get separator separated. Sawyer calls Said a terrorist. Uh, Kate turns up, reveals that they have found a transceiver, but it doesn't work. And Said says that he can help. 
Um, Hurley tells Sawyer to treat everyone with some respect. Uh, Sawyer's throwing insults and nicknames around. Uh, Side says that the battery is good, but the radio is dead, but he thinks he can fix it. And Rose tells Jack that he can look at the man with the shrapnel. Um, so maybe Sawyer heel number two at this point, just your, your typical jerk here. Uh, any comments we have about these last few scenes kind of fleshing out some of the other characters on the island who we hadn't really seen at this point? The interaction with Saeed is interesting. Um, you know, back in 2004, this is uh, at a time when uh, America is fighting a war on terror. You have a, uh, a character being presented as an Iraqi. Um, I don't think we know too much about his background. And then Sawyer uses that terrorist jargon. Um, it, you know, back in 2004, it, it probably plays a lot differently than it would today. Um, but I thought that was an interesting, um, you know, just from a, uh, again, a casting standpoint. Um, you mentioned Jin and, and kind of his being potential heel number three or heel number one, you said. Um, there's a lot of interesting characters and interesting casting choices that I think because of what we learn with Charlie and, and, oh, he has something going on with him, it leads you to think, okay, what's everyone got going on? Um, and it's a nice welcome to to the ensemble cast. I think Saeed in, in 2004 was a, a great character to have. Um I was a big fan of shows like 24 as well, but your Middle Eastern guys are the baddie all the time at that time. So 2004, we're only only three years off from 9-11 and we've got a story about a plane crash and there's a character called uh, Saeed who's from Iraq. Um, it's It's nice and progressive for this time to not have him playing your terrorist and actually have him be one of the heroes and one of your main characters of the second episode here of the pilot. He's kind of leading the second mission, Kevin. Yeah. He, he almost becomes instantly sympathetic as a character because of Sawyer and, and, you know, his, his extreme prejudice and, and attacking him without any, you know, you know, reason to, to do so. Uh, and I think Michael also comes off as another, like, what's this guy's problem you know like why is he being such a jerk to his son and why is he you know acting the way he's acting so everybody's almost coming off poorly in these first few scenes sort of like like and again you guys said it perfectly right it's like okay so now we learn that charlie has a mystery they probably all have these reasons and it's i want to know who these people are like they just set you up to want to know more about them instantly to the degree to the degree that pilot one the first episode sets the scene for you and does so in a very robust way this episode more sets the uh the conflict and the conflict within the characters that we're going to meet and that are going to be living on this island or presumably are stuck in this island at this point um so so it's definitely a nice change of pace um and it does like i just mentioned the ensemble cast is terrific this is a great way to introduce you to everybody where uh okay you got interest in people I think also pilot part one, um, they've had this plane crash. They've survived. They're like, oh, well, there's a black box on the plane. Um, Radar should know where we are. It's only going to be a matter of a few hours and we're rescued. So the characters, as dramatic as it is surviving a plane crash, they're kind of right. Let's just like make up camp for the night and we'll be safe soon. And this is the start of the realization that Wait, people should have been here by now. So people are kind of 
the the tensions and the stresses are coming out and you see it in the likes of Michael, Sawyer, Saeed and Jin here. Um, Saeed and Hurley have a bit of a heart to heart. Uh, Hurley tells Saeed that he likes him um, and asks how he knows how to uh, fix radios. And uh, Saeed says that he's a military communication officer um, and fought in uh, the Gulf War, but not for the Americans. He fought for the Republican Guard. So confirming that, yes, this guy is an Iraqi and is on the opposing side to... Um, I'd say most of the audience of this show at the time, um, but he's being treated as one of your your heroes here. Um, Sun looks on at Kate, who is half naked, and uh, I don't speak Korean, but she's thinking, I wish I could be half naked at this point, pretty much. Uh, the longing in her eyes. Um, Saeed tells Kate that they need to get a signal from higher ground, and there's... This shot reminds me of, you know, in Return of the Jedi, when uh, the the kind of fight at the beginning and everyone's staring at each other. And I know Family Guy have spoofed it when the camera pans from each person looking at each other. Do do you know the bit I mean at the Sarlacc pit? Yeah. This felt like this because Saeed goes, we need to we need to go at higher ground. And she's like, how high? And the camera very slowly pans up these mountains to the highest point. And it's, I don't know, it's one of the first points in in the whole pilot where I'm like, oh, come on, guys, that's a bit cheesy there. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm being picky, but I, I got to be a bit negative here and there. Uh, so we learn what the second mission is going to be, that they're going to have to go up this mountain to try and get signal for the radio. Uh, we see Kate looking on as Jack is treating the man with the shrapnel. Um Jack says that he could pull it out, but it's going to be so infected and he doesn't have antibiotics. So it's it's likely this guy's not going to survive. Um, Kate says that she's going off on a hike. And again, Jack is worried about her and tells her not to go. Uh, we see Sun and Jin together. Jin walks off and Sun unbuttons the top button because she's a rebel and wants to show off his body. Um, Jin offers Hurley some urchin, and Hurley is absolutely grossed out by this and laughs at him. We see Walt, who is reading a comic book in Spanish uh, and has the page uh, with a uh, picture of a polar bear on it. Um, And Michael says that uh, he... Michael says that when we get home, I'll just get you another dog. Um, He's he's not doing the, the parent thing uh very well right here um Walt all he's worried about is his his missing dog and Michael's like ah it's all right we'll get home soon and I'll just buy you a new one and Walt shrugs him off and walks off um we see Charlie in the drunk jungle who's trying to have some of his heroin um Jack tells Hurley to look through the wreckage for antibiotics we see Shannon, who is being useless and just wallowing in her misery. And Boone, her brother, just calls her useless. And they have another argument. Um, these, I've said I'm probably least interested in the uh, Koreans at this point. And then you've got Michael, Jin, Sawyer, who are all a bit of a dick. Shannon and Boone are just kind of useless here. Uh, Kevin, you're shaking your head. Do you, what do you have to say about these? Just guys? rewatching it again, and it, it, the the hatred that I had for for the, the character of Shannon just came roaring back with with such a vengeance. Just oh, 
Now, I, I was I was 15 years old when this came out, and I had the biggest crush on Maggie Grace watching this show. And she do- she definitely improves as the show goes on, but she is fucking awful in this pilot. Um, and and Boone isn't that much better, to be honest. Um, so Shannon is fed up of being called useless. So she's like, ah, well, I'm going to go on the hike. Um, and just as Charlie's walking past and Shannon goes, hey, uh, are you going on this hike? And he's like, um, well, uh, are you going? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I- I'm going, I'm going. Um, the, the red blooded male as our Charlie Pace is. So we have our new, uh, team of hikers for this episode. Shannon, Boone, Charlie, Kate, and Saeed. They go off as we see Sawyer looking on who joins them and has maybe the line of the pilot. Kate goes, you decided to join us. And he goes, I'm a complex guy, sweetheart. (laughs) Fucking love Sawyer. Um, We're introduced to the Michael Giacchino hike music, which is one of my favorite themes of the show. Whenever it comes on, I'm like, yes, we're going on a hike, guys. (laughs) We have uh, Michael and Jack talking. Uh, Jack asks uh, Michael a bit about Walt. Uh, asks how old he is and michael gets the age wrong um so we're learning more here that these maybe there's more to this father and son that they they don't really know each other it it seems an odd relationship for the two but jack says that he's seen the golden labrador uh in the jungle and that he's fine um so michael need not worry and will be able to get the dog back we are introduced to john locke who is setting up a backgammon board as walt walks over um, Walt reveals that he was living in Australia with his mum, but she got sick and died a couple of weeks ago. Um, Locke no-sells him and just starts talking about backgammon. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, he says that backgammon is the oldest game in the world. It's over 5,000 years. And again, this is one of those iconic lines. Two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. Walt. Do you want to know a secret? Um, yeah. So we, we saw this guy just kind of watching on, looking all mysterious in episode one. Now he's revealing that he's got a secret. And this whole backgammon thing, even though we've only watched about an hour of this show so far, you know that this is symbolic, that this is kind of going to be a metaphor of the show. Um, a kind of fight of light and dark. Um, it's in there for a reason, Kevin. Well, and it's and it's like foreshadowing four years in advance, almost right. Like absolutely, it, it, it takes years and years before you really see that idea of the light and the dark really like represented on the screen. So, you know, it's it's. I always wonder how much they knew and how much they had forethought and how much was simply retconning and, and going back to early episodes and sort of trying to fill in gaps or whatever. But the whole light and dark is a theme of the whole show and, and, and it is, is a very integral. So it, and it's, and it's hammering that mystery about who is this lock guy and what is his secret? It's just, it was a wicked scene. And it makes you realize there's going to be kind of a force of evil on this show. It's We're going back to kind of traditional storytelling of good versus bad, which when you first think it's going to be a show about people trying to survive on an island, it's not necessarily a good versus evil thing that you're coming to expect. Uh, MJ? Yeah, you talk about the foreshadowing, uh, long-term booking. Um, 
there's a lot of things that happen in between um, the seasons before we kind of see that light and dark conflict on screen. But you do get the sense, um, especially on a rewatch, that it, it is setting the stage for some kind of uh, you know, long-term booking or storytelling, that they had some idea where they were going. Uh, so I always thought that the criticism that they had no answers planned, you know, I think they had a, a framework. Um, on the light and dark, I think we see it with the characters, um, that each one, as we learn more and more, seem to have uh, a light side and a dark side even within them and within their little bit of history that we're getting. Um, and certainly that is something that plays out um, throughout their series. Definitely. Uh, David? Yeah, and with, uh, with uh, Locke, I think you get a sense of, um, at least when I, I remember watching when I was a kid when I was watching this, that like he he now like you feel like he has the answers yes like it's and that that sums up john Locke in the not not foreshadowing anything it just sums up john Locke throughout the show you know he has the answers or he thinks he has the answers and i think that's instantly that's the image you get of him and again it makes you curious of what his story is and i know when you go further into the series and you realize that each episode is going to be character centric he's one of the first ones where you go I want to know this guy's backstory. I, I need to know who this guy is, what his story is. Uh, some of the others you can hold off. It's like, um, don't, don't really care to know much about Shannon at this point, but Locke <laughs> is someone, who is this guy? Why is he on this island? Why is he being creepy? Why is he enjoying sitting in the rain, playing backgammon? What is his story? We see Jin, who goes over to Claire, and this is the first time he kind of shows a bit of lightness, if you will. Uh, he offers Claire an urchin. Um, and in Korean, he's essentially saying, look, you're pregnant. You've got to eat. You've got to have something. Have this. And the baby starts to kick. Uh, Kevin. Isn't raw fish bad for pregnant people? Like that's, <laughs> uh, that's all I could think watching that. You know, It's like the worst thing you could eat. But it turns out that it, it, it clearly isn't. Not on this magical island. Yes. We need we need some realism. That what else were they supposed to eat? No, true, true. He could have cooked <laughs> did he cook it for her though? Like Rothman's just very bad. Yeah. Um but it, it does the trick because the, the baby starts to kick and uh Claire starts laughing and I, th this moment's actually really sweet. It it always makes me smile when she grabs Jin's hand, who we've seen up to this point be this this pretty awful controlling husband and just grabs his hand and puts it on her stomach so he can feel the baby kick and he kind of reacts and, and go oh and smiles and it, it's a really sweet moment mj she says he kicked which um so much of this dialogue there's so much packed into just short little exchanges between characters but she's saying he kicked not knowing it's a boy um ultimately we do find out it is a boy um it's just one of those things where the simple lines two words mattered or told you what was coming foreshadowing um different literary devices there and, and you can look at it two ways again you you started to see that this island's a bit mysterious is that is that informing her that she's having a boy or is it just a feeling like like mothers have they go oh, i, I kind of feel like i've got a boy kicking around in here it, it you can look at it both ways completely uh so we go back to our uh a team who are on their hike um Sawyer keeps on asking Saeed to check the radio and Saeed's like, nope, we're not, we're not high enough yet. We need to go higher and higher. Um, they start arguing again and then something starts running towards them. Shannon starts to scream and Sawyer pulls out a gun and starts shooting. 
and they kill a bear. But not just any bear. It's a polar bear. WTF, what's going on? Why does Sawyer have a gun? Why is there a polar bear on a tropical island? Do you remember, like, initial thoughts watching this? Because this is, like, when you know the the answers, it's kind of weird going back talking about it. But I kind of want to try try and put our minds back 16 years ago at what we felt here, seeing a polar bear on a tropical island. Uh, Who wants to go first? I was um I was more intrigued. Like I had no idea of the answer, but like I was ready to find it out. You know? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Kevin. Yeah, like I- I'm trying to watch this with as fresh eyes as I possibly can, and it has been long enough that I do forget a lot of things until <laughs> I perhaps see them, or you know, uh, and like the exact reasons behind things are lost on me no pun intended you know i and i'll rediscover them again as we're as we're doing this rewatch but the the feeling at that point you know between the 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 noises and the monster in the first episode and then a polar bear being in the middle of a tropical island you know for me the island is my character that i care most about throughout the whole show i know you you prefer the, the 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 actual human characters where i'm all this island is my central focus and it's just its mythology is already building up to such a point, you know, and and it's not even done in this episode, right? I know we're going to keep going and there's even more, but they just, I am just on the edge of my seat at this point going where you know, I don't, I actually probably shouldn't say the line yet. I'll save it. For the end. <laughs> MJ. Uh, I feel like the show has a few moments throughout this pilot, um, throughout the two episodes where they're so memorable. I, I also, um, like you, Kevin, kind of, I'm trying to watch this with the freshest eyes. It's been 10 years since I've seen, you know, the show at all. I've tried to stay away because of how many hours I spent on the web, the dark web reading about <laughs> it. But there's, there's the moments where, you know, the guy gets sucked into the engine and the explosion. There's the sound of the island, the, the mystery of the, the noise. And then there's this polar bear. Now, this comes, if you watch these as two, compl- as if you watch this as like a kind of a feature where it's two episodes and you watch them right back to back which is how I first watched it. At this point, I'm already so engaged. I'm along for the ride. We're talking about an island where a plane crashed and people survived and there's some mysterious stuff going on. So if you've made it this far into the pilot, um, you're in. And and the polar bear to me was kind of that like, okay, anything can happen. I'm in. I remember people as well being like starting to get frustrated when answers weren't coming and then being like, oh, I'm close to giving up on this, but I, I just want to know why there's a bloody polar bear on the island. Um, but I, what I also love about having the polar bear here is for a split second, you think you've got the answer to what the creature in the forest is. Just, just for a minute second, you go, oh, okay, they're being hunted by polar bears. There are polar mm-hmm. bears there. And then Charlie right away goes, mm, that's like a teeny weeny fraction of a thing <laughs> that killed the pilot. So you're like, ah, damn. But for a second, you think you have the answer, which is pretty cool. Um, Back on the beach, we have uh Jack asking Hurley to help him with the shrapnel man. And Hurley reveals that he isn't too good with blood. Uh, Jack pulls out the shrapnel and we see this blood and just black ooze uh, coming out of him. It's pretty disgusting. And poor Hurley passes out because he can't take it. And not only passes out, he passes out on top of the dying man. And this is like a, what, a 400 pound dude? (laughs) 
if things couldn't get any worse for our poor shrapnel man, he just had they a played ver- 400 pound guy pass out on they, him. They played very well with visuals to provide humor throughout the show. Um, there's a moment later where they're playing golf and the visual of it. Obviously it tickles my funny bone, but they use these kind of visuals like Hurley falling um, to provide levity in a, in a show that didn't have over the top jokes, haha moments. And I think what's great with Hurley, I I think it's easy to look at him in this first episode as just comic relief. And the character evolves a lot more than that. But I think it's also Hurley is at us. Hurley is the most normal guy on the island. He isn't a guy volunteering to go into a jungle where we're hearing monster noises. He's not particularly good with blood and doesn't really know how to help this surgeon save this man's life. Uh, he'll try and help as best as he can by handing out food to people that he's found. But, but really, he's he's the the most normal person on this island. He's you and I, um, which I think is is really an important character to have on a show where you have like Iraqi so- soldiers and spinal surgeons. You you need the every every man, and Hurley represents that perfectly. Uh, MJ, the the ensemble cast, um, you. Kevin, you mentioned your or your disinterest in Shannon and Boone, but they really did a great job of kind of giving you characters that were relatable. Um, you can say Hurley's the common man, but we all know somebody like Sawyer who's brash and going to use nicknames. We all know people like Shannon who are just going to be absolutely useless when you need them in a moment of a crisis. Um, even someone like Jack, you know, the person that assumes a leader role, a, a doctor, if you will. Like we all know these kind of people in everyday life and here they put everybody on this island together um you know it's just a repeated theme of this ensemble cast and how great it was i mean shannon and boone are, are like everyone in that fighter fest documentary all the people that <laughs> book tickets to that festival that shannon and boone like they exist and yeah like we hate them for a reason <laughs> uh we're back to our our a team and kate asks sawyer uh where that came from and Sawyer replies, probably Bear Village. How do I know? And she's like, no, Sawyer, the gun. Fantastic line from Sawyer. Um, between, I don't know, Sawyer and Hurley, their, their one-liners throughout the whole show are fantastic. Um, Sawyer reveals that he got it off of a US Marshal and says he also took his badge too because he thought it was cool. Um, so Saeed... Um, thinks that uh, Sawyer must be the prisoner. Kate manages to grab the gun and disarms him. And then we go to a Kate flashback where we see that she is actually the criminal, the convict. She's next to Shrapnel Man on the plane. Um, Turbulence starts. uh, A case flies out of the overhead, smashes the marshal in the head, knocking him out. Uh, always a pretty nasty visual here, just the blood trickling down as he passes out. Um, she grabs the keys from the marshal and uncuffs herself, um, puts the oxygen mask on herself. But I think this is really important. She puts the mask on the marshal as well. She does try her best to save his life, which considering she's a prisoner and we don't know what it's for, um, it again, it goes back to that light and dark thing. It's okay. This, this woman we think has been, is like our female hero of this show, uh, is now the convict on this plane, but she is still trying to save the man's life who took her in. A pretty important, um, flashback here. And this is where we actually see for the first time the plane ripping in half 
as it comes hurtling down. Um, maybe let's talk about the visuals here, because this was 16 years ago and TV. How well do you feel um, this holds up, both with, let's say, the polar bear and this plane crash? I feel it holds up very well. Um, I know there was some controversy um, with the polar bear and kind of how they, they needed to get it to look somewhat real. Um, but I think it holds up really well, particularly when you give what, uh, you know, is on network TV today. Obviously, Game of Thrones um, was, was an HBO product, and, and we, you know, generally don't see these kind of visuals, um, you know, any better than, than we do on the, in this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I think as well, the they don't show the polar bear too much. We see like a white blur running through, and then you kind of just see its its sort of chest and its nose as it's heaving. And I think not focusing on it too much allows allows it to still hold up today. It still looks pretty pretty good. Uh, David, you wanted to say something? Oh, uh, you pretty much said what I was going to say. But I was also going to say um, the actual flight where 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 the where the plane comes apart, the frantic shots while they're in there, while they're in the plane, and just how Kate's just like holding on to the armrest and like everything's just like going on around her. Yeah. Just the image of that. It's very frantic, very, very effective. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think it holds up a lot. And I, I think it's important that we actually see that this plane did rip apart in the sky because we're, we're watching these survivors who have mere scratches on them. So, and we know the mysteries have started to be introduced on the show. We know there's a monster and stuff. And you think, oh, maybe they were, I don't know, all like knocked out and the plane safely landed and this is like a a setup or whatever. But we actually visually see from one of the characters' perspectives, this plane ripped in half midair. And I, I think that's kind of important going forwards as well. MJ? It also gives the allusion to another half of the plane with another half of uh, a uh, travelers that may have died. Yes. So this 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 question of, and we'll certainly get into this as the show goes on. But this question of, well, is this all a dream sequence? Is this all life after death? Like we have the idea that, well, some people are dead, and okay, so these are the survivors. So it plays into this, as real as you can try to present it, um, given the circumstances, given you know the setting of the show. Absolutely. We go to our final scene of the pilot. They've got to higher ground. Um, they finally get a bar on the transceiver, but they can't transmit anything because there's something blocking. We hear a female French voice talking over and over again. Uh, Charlie says, I've never been so happy to hear the French, which is <laughs> pretty funny line. Um being a Brit and a kind of Canadian now, there's always something there between the French and us. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, Boone says that Shannon speaks French, but Shannon's like, no, 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 I don't speak French. I'm terrible. The batteries are starting to die. We realize that the message is on a loop. It's going over and over again. And Shannon translates. She says, please, please help me. Please come get me. I'm alone now. I'm out here alone. Please, someone come. The others, they're dead. It killed them. It killed them all. And then the radio died. Saeed does some quick maths and realize that this <clears throat> transmission has been playing for 16 years and five months. And Charlie says, 
Guys, where are we? Boom. Lost. Um, really great final scene here. Just adding even more mystery and making you realize, adding a character, um, who has been on this island for 16 years, realizing there have been people that have crashed here before and that these survivors aren't going to be getting off anytime soon. And just always, I'm a big fan. I know Family Guy do a little skit of uh, Peter at the cinema and whenever a film says the name of the, the title of the film within the film, you go, ah, it's, it's always satisfying. Whereas Charlie sets you up here. Guys, where are we? And we go, oh, they're lost. Um, <laughs> I, I love this final scene. Uh, Shannon finally kind of shows that she is important to this group as well. She's going to have skills that are going to help. Um, this mystery, yes, 16 years. What killed them all? Guys, what did we think? MJ, go first. Um, it's... The the thing I remember the most is this lost uh, graphic that comes up with the, the black screen, the white letters, the sound effect. Immediately click for the next episode. Um, I feel like if you think back to how Pilot 1 ends with Charlie, um, what did that? Uh, here you have Where Are We? They keep setting up every episode to end with a, a question that you immediately want answered. Um, and also just... The, the visual storytelling, Charlie sets it up, like you said, Davey, and then lost. And there's just continued use of visual tricks to kind of bring the show um, to another level that really made it stand out at the time. There's, you're completely right as well with the graphic. There's something about that boom as it happens that kind of strikes you inside. Like your your heart kind of goes, oh, Every time they end with a cliffhanger and you have that and it's like, fuck, no, it's ending now. <laughs> MJ. The, sh the show that I remember feeling this way, um, I watched it in real time, so I didn't binge it, but it was 24 where the clock would tick down and you'd have the sound effect. Mm -hmm. And immediately, you you know, people got into it because they just clicked the next episode. Yeah. And this was another one of these. Um, and they were around the same time. Um, this was terrific. David. And I think uh, with that, with that, uh, with the closing, it really heightens the impact of what you've just seen. So you find out that there's this message that's been going on for 16 years, but when you see that closing loss shot, it just elevates it somehow. You know, um, I love Shannon's delivery in this scene, where she's a bit scattered, and like you're a bit scattered as well with what's going on. But as she keeps talking, it gets a, just a bit more crazier, a bit more bit more heavy as it's delivered and then once you find out what the message is everyone's just lost you know yeah kevin well and i just think it's it's so amazing that you know a simple voice recording um can be <clears throat> so haunting and just the mystery behind it is almost scarier than whatever the monster is and why a polar bear is attacking them and like this monster of this woman who's alone and the people she was with are dead and it's just Another mystery. I can't believe that after two episodes, we have all of these questions already. And they've done such a great job in this second part of the episode to make us really care about these characters and be fascinated by them as well. So you're just after just, you know, an hour and a half of TV, you're so invested in everything that's going on. It's I cannot wait for the next one. You know, it, it, they've done a great job. And it's so clever. You're right. <laughs> Being able to 
introduce us to I, I think it's about 14 characters some some we know more about than others but we we have a a kind of idea who each person is in this show at this point and also you've got how did they crash what is this island what is this monster why are there polar bears there and why has this woman this french woman been there for 16 years you've got five big questions you immediately want answered and makes you want to tune in each and every week i i i still think today i'm very biased because i love this show so much but i think this is one of the the best pilots that i've ever seen just just the amount of it gets me interested for the rest of the rest of the show um and visually it's so cinematic uh kevin i would have argued the exact same thing you know the first five years of the show my go-to was it's the best pilot ever this is one of the best tv shows ever <clears throat> to go back and watch it what is it it's been what f- um 16 15, years 16 years yeah I, I honestly think it holds up as, you know, the, the the single most fascinating, engrossing pilot of any TV show ever. I've never wanted to continue watching a show after just the first episode. And again, uh, you know, during my break between the show ending and this rewatch, I would have said it was Game of Thrones for me that really that last sort of twist at the end of that first episode got me really wanting to to continue watching this show. But I, I think this does an even better job than that, rewatching wow. it again after all these years. And I know I'm how much you in. love Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MJ. I'll, I'll echo that on the rewatchability and kind of going back after all this time. Um, you know, I really recall paying attention to all the little details um, and to take you guys real deep into kind of the island you know, there's little things like a polar bear being on Walt's comic book. There's the stuff with Locke talking about the backgammon that we come to experience later on. There's all these different little twists and turns that they weave in um, that whether you picked it up in the first watching of this, and I doubt many people did because we weren't yet conditioned to look for it. Um, the rewatch on this is so fun to kind of remember, oh, yeah, every little thing mattered. And seeing that in the pilot, the, the careful details. Um it really does hold up um, almost as a show that you can rewatch without, you know, not that spoilers impact the rewatch, but there's still so much to grab onto there that make it entertaining. Absolutely. David, any final thoughts? And um, the thing I love about well, both pilots, most pilots of a TV show, you get like your four or five main characters, you get their story. You're getting 14 or 15 people here. So as you said, you you do know more about others than some some others, but uh, you've got so much to work with coming out of this pilot. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I, I've I've loved going back. I'm I'm very very much looking forward to the next two weeks where we can kind of take the gloves off a bit more and the restraints. Um, I I think what what I'm going to do now I'm going to throw to. Uh, one of our world champion patrons, Chris Price, who I'm dubbing The Lost Virgin. Uh, he has never seen an episode and has just watched the pilot. Um, so we'll get a little chat with him on his very kind of fresh thoughts. And then I thought we could uh, come back if any of us have any any spoiler thoughts we have from rewatching the the pilot. We'll quickly talk about them and go to feedback. Okay, so I'm now going to send out a distress call and talk to our lost virgin, 
Chris Price. Hello, I am joined now by world champion patron Chris Price. Now, we've heard from the experts. Now it's time to hear from the lost virgin. Now, I put out a distress call to all our world champion patrons at patreon.com forward slash up next uh, to hear if anyone hasn't ever seen this show before. And at first, I got a lot of replies from people saying that they love this show and they want to talk about it. So maybe we'll hear from them in a week or so. But for now, I want to talk to the Virgin, Chris Price. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I hope you don't mind me calling you a Virgin for the sake of this show. No, it's appropriate to the show. Absolutely. Now... How have you been doing to start with? I know that you, uh, you're you an essential worker during these uh, very strange times. Uh, how has life been for you for the moment? It's kind of weird. Business as usual with work. Obviously been quite busy working in the supermarket. Just days off all weird. Not being able to do normal things like cinema trips and that. So Now, yeah, you're, you're the perfect person to talk to for this show because you mentioned you, uh, you go to the cinema quite a lot. So yeah. it was quite surprising um, for me to hear that you'd never seen this show because I follow you on the socials. I see that you you enjoy the odd kind of uh, convention here and there and cinema trips. So it's it's kind of weird that this is a like a hole in your in your nerdum, if you don't mind me calling it that. Yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> hey, I'm a nerd too. I I, I say <laughs> it as a term of endearment. Um, well, hey, so. You've never seen Lost before, so I got you to watch the pilot, and yep. um, ha- like, how come this kind of uh, eluded you all this time? This, when it came out originally, never struck my attention. So I'd see adverts for it on TV, and that's as much as I would know about the show, but it never caught my attention to watch it. Now, I have a bad habit with this. I did the same thing with Game of Thrones. I didn't watch that till about the seventh season came out, then binged it and quite enjoyed it. But yeah, this one just fell off the radar and never came up till now. I mean, TV was a, definitely a different uh, different structure back then. And I think Game of Thrones is is possibly one of the last things to have this kind of weekly episodic formula, whereas now pretty much everything is, is just binge it right away. And... I think for shows like Lost and for shows like Game of Thrones, the kind of weekly thing is it helps it a lot because it allows for the kind of fan theories and and speculation, all of that to go on. Um, now, when I watched this show, I, I was hooked right from the start and I would always be on the message boards at the time. Um, I just listened to the, uh, the Brit- British Wrestling Experience episode um, of... Uh, ring of honor unified um in the uk and hearing benno and jamesy talking about uh their chats on the message boards and things like that that was me for this show um i'd i'd be on every night just theorizing with random people on the internet about what's happening what's the island about and all that stuff now so you went back and watched the pilot um have you just seen the pilot now or have you kind of continued to watch a bit more with a view of having this conversation with you today, I've only watched the pilot until okay. we talked about it because I didn't want to see anything else that would influence my thoughts initially. Absolutely. Great idea. 
Um, so first thing I want to ask is just what are your initial thoughts? Just um, did did you enjoy it? Was it a, a hit or a miss for you? I enjoyed it. It hasn't gripped me the same way I've had with other shows I've watched, but it's left me with enough intrigue. I actually want to see what's going to happen. Right. And whether that's now my fresh eyes with things I've seen since that make me want to watch it more. I mean, I would say uh, TV definitely has moved on uh, quite a bit since Lost, um, obviously with, with shows like Game of Thrones, as you mentioned. Mm. But this kind of broke the mould at the time. Uh, this was 2004. And at at this point, this was the most expensive pilot ever made. It was $14 million to produce this pilot. And uh, I believe that the kind of head of ABC or whoever it was that greenlit uh, this show got fired for spending this amount of money this amount wow. of money on a pilot and it does look like a movie you've got a plane crash you've got a a beautiful island you've got a car like a huge cast of actors and some of them pretty well known like dominic monaghan is pretty fresh off of lord of the rings at this point so he's a pretty big name at this time um then you've got some new stars like evangeline lily who obviously you will know as uh, ant-man yeah as that stood out to me straight away Exactly. And you've got a a pretty well-known by this point director in J.J. Abrams, who who did the pilot uh, for this show. Um, Now, this this episode of TV is now 16 years old. Uh, How do you feel it holds up? Do you think it has kind of dated at all? Or do you think the effects and the money put into it kind of still still hold today? I kind of feel it holds up. I was watching the plane crash and comparing it very much to the War of the Worlds one with Tom Cruise. Okay. Because um, I recently actually walked through that set when I was in LA, and I'm looking at that going, this is actually looking really cool and really good. And obviously, you've got the whole jet turbine, and I was inevitably waiting that somebody's going through that. It's yeah. very well set up. But I think it holds up well. Now, they actually... Um that is a real plane that they got for this show. It's not It's not set. It's not built. They actually got a, a proper plane for the, for the wreckage. And um, Michael Giacchino, who is the, the composer, who you might know, he did the, he won the Oscar for Up. Obviously, that opening sequence from the Pixar film Up is beautiful. Yeah. So much is to the music. Um, this was one of Michael Giacchino's first big gigs. And all the kind of percussion you hear in the show is is played off of that wreckage. It's bits of that plane that they turn oh, wow. into like percussion and drums and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I I recently I watched this uh, rewatched this about a week ago. I, I've seen this a lot. It still completely holds up to me. Um, the effects and everything, and obviously they've they've lucked out having somewhere as beautiful as Hawaii to to film all of this because. That's not set. That's real jungle they're running through all the time there. And Makes a difference. It doesn't hurt that the, the cast are all relatively attractive as well. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> definitely not. It, it works well. And like you say, the live outdoor set definitely is better than matte paintings and CGI. Oh, absolutely. And just it's so fresh for... Obviously, we've seen... I'll keep on going back to Game of Thrones as an example, but... Um, We've seen TV do that a lot more now, use like real locations. And I know Game of Thrones, a lot is filmed in, I believe a lot is filmed in Malta and 
and I think Ireland and just to get the the really realistic landscapes for it and it and it helps so much and it definitely does show um so with the characters part of lost for me so much of it is the mystery and that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of attach themselves to right away is the mystery what is this island how did they survive what is that monster in the in the jungle but one of the things that makes it hold uh, my interest is the cast of characters they have it's a huge ensemble and especially for 2004 one of the biggest casts you would see on tv and i find pretty much all of them compelling in one way or the other now the pilot is is two episodes and i believe you watch you watch both yes yes part one and two. yes and obviously there are a lot of characters in part two that you don't see in part one at all and you'll just see kind of the odd shot of them um jack obviously is your main character jack and kate they're they're kind of leading the pilot episodes um but what characters do you find the most compelling you you say you're kind of interested to to see more of the show um what characters kind of struck your interest at all so I'm curious to see where Charlie goes because he's got the drug addiction. Yep. And if he's stuck on an island, that supply he's got is going to run out very, very quickly. So I can see some conflict or even trying to raid whatever medical supplies Jack found when he helped the U.S. Marshal with the shard in him. And then Saeed, who was fixing the um, GPS. Yep. Um, obviously, he was involved in that whole war thing, but on the other side, and I'm curious to see where he goes and if any conflict appears from that as he interacts with other people. I mean, I would say Saeed as well definitely kind of um, timestamps this show a bit as well because, as I said, this was 2004. So I yeah. um, think the, the war in Iraq is kind of happening right now. It's very fresh to people and those kind of tensions between uh the US and the Middle East especially um are pretty strong right now so Said's definitely a a very compelling character early on and they I think they do a good job in in baby facing him right away so mm. which is I think really cool for a show at this time especially a US show you watch other shows out around this time that I was a fan of would be something like 24 and 24 was great 24 was great but obviously a lot of the time kind of the middle eastern characters are your your baddies in they are, yeah. so it's kind of nice to see this heroic uh iraqi um leading these people and uh it's pretty much him and loss uh sorry him and jack are the the two kind of alpha male leaders in that pilot episode uh any other characters um there's a character you'll get to see a lot more of uh, who isn't touched on too much, but I feel still kind of has some interest in that pilot is John Locke, uh, the the bald guy. Uh, the chat with the scar on the eye. Exactly. Um, now, you don't see much of him at all in the in the first couple of episodes, but... But did he did he catch your eye at all? Because I know they they do some pretty cool shots where you're like looking at that guy and you're like, who is that? What is his deal? Yeah, you see the scar on his eye, which you presume is from the crash. You see him playing backgammon. He seems very quiet and um, that's the word I'm looking for, cerebral player sort of thing. That something's going to happen with him, but what I don't know. And 
uh, and any other characters. Um, just just throwing some names at you. Uh, like you've got Michael and Walt, the dad with the son. Uh, you've got Sawyer, um, the kind of I guess would you say he's kind of the antagonist almost in those uh those first couple of episodes. He's the he's the dick of the punch. Yeah. Um, there has to be one. <laughs> there has to be one. Yeah, I mean, you've got a plane full of people. You're gonna have. You're gonna have a one or two. Um, yeah. Any other characters you want to to? I believe mention? was it Shannon that was translating the French on the radio? That's right. Um, obviously, being very quiet in part one, and then right, I'm going on the hike, and suddenly she's the one who can speak that and translate it. So it makes me wonder if there's more to her story. Is there something else that she's holding back because she's been very sort of recluse from the group initially? And then it's kind of an argument with the brother, was it, that Boone. stepped her off yep. on this um, hike? And uh, you mentioned the French. Um, have you got... I, I want to kind of move on to sort of any early theories because this show was all about theories. Now, yeah. you you kind of miss, missed out on it at the time, but for me, this was all... All people were talking about at school. Um, everyone had their theories. Everyone's saying, "Oh, they're. I think they're dead. They all died in the crash." Um, there's people thinking it's kind of like a Big Brother social experiment. Um, and right from the get-go, people were like, "Oh, this. This isn't really what I thought it was going to be." Um, I know it was kind of pitched as Survivor, like the game show Survivor, mm. but with kind of as a drama. That that was the early pitch of this show, and quite early on, you realise, oh, there's there's more to it than that. Um, so let let's start with the the French uh, the French voice that has been going on for sixteen years. Um, what what are your thoughts about that? Kind of looking at that, that when that peer, appeared on screen, it's like, okay, so was there some kind of sabotage that this plane was actually way further off course than? even what the pilot alluded to or is this some kind of experiment to basically somehow get these people on this island and kind of see what happens and the French is a red herring was right. that transceiver only programmed to that um, or is it just a fluke of signal Yeah, the one bar mm. well you'll have to find out won't you <laughs> I will <laughs> and uh we can't really talk about this show without talking about the monster, the creature, whatever is moving the trees in the jungle, whatever's eating the pilot in the jungle. Um, did did you know there was a monster going into this show? I I'm I kind of want to know how much you sort of knew about this show beforehand because because some things, even if you don't watch it, it's hard to avoid. Take Game of Thrones. For, for an example like i know Braden has never seen game of thrones but if i mention the red wedding or i i think i used it as an example on uh on up next recently you know what it is because it's yeah. it's kind of unavoidable because everyone's talking about it so were you aware there was going to be a monster in this show i wasn't aware of a monster specifically i seem to recall maybe vaguely seeing some supernatural kind of storm okay on an island referenced might have been in something like grand theft auto or something in the past right that's as much as i knew the only thing i know in my head is it wasn't the polar bear yes so that was weird and that makes me think there's other people on the island somewhere okay so what 
what makes you think that? Because because there's a polar bear there. A polar bear on a tropical island seems very, very strange. And I kind of my brain says, well, the only way that got there is there's somebody else on the island doing something maybe they shouldn't do experiments wise. Okay. And that got out, but it's not big enough to have caused that level of tree rustle. No, I mean you see the pilot get like lifted out of the of the yeah. plane. So felt very Jurassic Park. Very Jurassic Park indeed. And did you recognise who the pilot was by any chance? No, I didn't. Okay, he's an actor called uh, Greg Gronberg, and he is J.J. Abrams' lucky charm, essentially. Um, he's in everything that J.J. has ever directed. They were kind of best friends at school. Um, so he's in he's in both uh, the last... Uh, sorry, he's in The Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker as kind of one of the rebels. Um, he's in, uh, like, uh, what was it, Alias that J.J. Abrams directed before Lost. Uh, he's here as the pilot. Um, he was... Did you ever watch Heroes? Which came I out didn't. the time. That's another one that I th- I started to watch it and I lost interest in it. But I he- think, again, Terrestrial TV at the time yeah. made it harder. He- Heroes definitely plummeted pretty quick. That first season was pretty awesome and... Again, I think it was something again that if Lost didn't exist, I don't think you'd have got a Heroes, because um, it was very much the idea of a, a big budget, a big cast of characters. Um, but yeah, Greg Grunberg plays the pilot here, and look out for him because I know you've seen Rise of Skywalker fifteen yeah. times or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're probably watching it today as we're recording this. It's just been released on Disney Plus. So, yep. um, but yeah, look out for this guy. He's in every one of J.J. Abrams' uh, projects. Uh, I want to just circle back to the the polar bear. Um, not so much for the theory, but w- we said at the beginning how we thought this kind of uh, holds up this show. It, it still kind of looks great. And I think one of the things is they they hide their weaknesses. Now, CGI in 2004 uh, isn't what it is today in 2020. And I think they do quite well here because you they don't show too much of the polar bear. You see it running, you see kind of the white blur, and then you see its chest heaving. And it's it's enough to suggest what it is without completely focusing on it and going, oh, that just looks like a shitty computer generalized bear. Um so I think I think that's one of the things they do really well that allows this show to to really hold up today. Um any other kind of theories you have moving on? Let's let's talk about the island itself and the plane crash. Um, how do you think that plane crashed on this island? Uh, do you think they're there for a reason? You said maybe... Um, yeah, I think sabotage of some description. I think somebody wants them there okay. rather than it being an accidental high amount of turbulence. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting. And you think that might have something to do with... Like these polar bears being on the island, the French woman's distress call. Yeah, I think there's something all linked somewhere. Okay. Um, and does this pilot make you want to watch uh, want to watch any more episodes? Do you want to keep going with this? Or yeah, I want to see what happens. Okay, awesome. I'm intrigued enough to see what happens, so I'm going to push on. I would say I think the the first season especially is just so good 
uh it's it really holds up my my girlfriend and i have been binging through the whole thing initially when uh when i kind of proposed doing this uh this kind of three-part series on up next um i went through and kind of cherry-picked episodes and found youtube clips of things so because obviously i've seen it a couple of times um and then started watching it with my girlfriend and just finishing the pilot it's like ah I got to do the whole thing. I got to do the whole thing. And that that first season is is sensational TV. It's it's really excellent. And it the show gets a bit divisive as it goes along. I personally love the whole thing. Um but I know a lot of people dropped off. I know a lot of people from the UK dropped off because after season 2 it moved from Channel 4 to Sky 1. So that's always a big block. It is. If you haven't got pay TV especially in kind of 2006 it would have been um there were the torrent sites and the places you could get it from but they weren't as it wasn't as available as it is now and and back then as well there was a quite a huge gap between the shows airing on on UK TV and airing in the US so i know a lot of people dropped out then and it's definitely one of those shows that you miss a couple of episodes it you are lost because yeah. so much happens. There's so much detail. Um, and yeah, it it is a really fun show to watch though and discuss and just, I suggest keeping your eyes on everything. Like whenever you see like a book or comic or whatever in these flashbacks on the island, whatever, most things are there for a specific reason and help inform where the show's going to go. It's full of Easter eggs. Um, okay, that's cool. So, I mean, I'd really, uh, I'd really love to talk to you again in the future once you've uh, see if you if you continue watching this show because it, it's definitely kind of dear to my heart. And by all means, message me, message me as you're watching it on on Facebook or whatever, just saying, hey, I. I'm now on season three, episode blah, and I think this is happening or whatever because I love that stuff. And uh, absolutely, I wish I could. There, there are certain films and TV shows I wish I could watch again for the first time ever. A lot of people say, like Empire Strikes Back, they wish they could watch that again for the first time ever. Um, I'm definitely that with this show. I wish I could have those feelings I did Um as I watched it for the first time and I'm jealous that you, you get to do that. And I, I hope you can continue on this ride called lost. Yeah. I will keep you updated with my progress and any thoughts I have as I watch the episodes. Absolutely. Now, do you have any, any other final kind of thoughts for this show you wanted to make any, anything you picked up on? Cause they're my, they were the kind of questions I had in my head to ask you, but uh, if you had any other comments or just, just things you liked, um, maybe or things you didn't like things that you didn't think quite worked or uh i don't know a shitty line of dialogue or something like that (laughs) um i think the opening of it with jack in the jungle gives you a moment of okay what the hell's going on because you're just going straight in there boom um my intrigue will be is do they get off the island and if so at what point right because that seems a logical point that somewhere they're going to get off. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things I liked about the show um, is there are shows like The Walking Dead, which I enjoyed for quite a long time and kind of fell off. 
because I could never see an end point. And there's that kind of, right from the first episode, you kind of feel, right, this show, I assume, is going to end when they get off the island, right? Or there, there's some kind of end game there. Yeah. And I, I definitely need that in a show, especially a show like this that throws so many mysteries at you. You want to kind of be able to get an idea when it's going to wrap up. And um, it was one of the advantages the show did get was the creators, uh, Damon Lindelof and Colton Cuse, after season three said, right, we need to we need start wrapping this up and we want a confirmed end date, which in the US at the time was kind of odd because... Most things would just be, oh, it's getting good ratings. We'll sign it on for another series. We'll sign it on for another series. Um, and not so many thing, uh, shows got to kind of call their own shots like Lost did. Um, yeah, now you've got an end works. It does. And now it's going to, it divides people whether people uh, think that they use that time effectively or um, whether the end was satisfactory or not. Uh, I think any kind of popular show talks about it on the Game of Thrones uh, show. Any popular show, it's going to divide people. I, I don't. I think it's near impossible to create a finale of something as beloved that's going to satisfy everyone. Um, but you're a way away from there, so I don't want to <laughs> say too much. And we will be talking about the finale in a couple of weeks on the Patreon. Um, Anything else? You you liked the opening shot with Jack waking up in the jungle with Vincent the dog. Um, it, what things did you maybe not like so much? Because I'm pretty sure I've been, yeah, uh, singing high praise for this show, maybe a bit <laughs> too much. And we do like a bit of negativity here and there on Up Next sometimes. <laughs> I think the hardest thing with the pilot, you've got, what, 48 survivors. You can only highlight a few in those first couple of episodes so you've got a lot of people, you're like, okay, who's that, who's that, who's that? And in preparation for us having this conversation, I've watched this pilot twice. Okay. Because the biggest thing I probably missed is like, I'm missing character names. Right. Yeah. And okay, who are you? Who are you? So it took me a minute. Right, hang on. That's that person. And that's that person. So that was probably the hardest thing I had to follow watching it first time remembering certain character names that aren't Jack or Kate who are leading the show. I, I find that a lot in shows for the first time, especially with ones with lots going on. I'm I'm watching Westworld at the moment, and I definitely have, especially if I, I take a couple of like weeks off in between episodes, I'm then going, oh, who is this person? What is their story? What's their deal? Um, so yeah, a rewatch was probably a good idea to just freshen up. Um. But that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, no, not a massive negative if it makes you rewatch it to get your head around it and yeah. know where it's going to move forward. Absolutely. Um, now, thank you, Chris, for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll maybe, uh, well, we are going to have you on again in a month or so on the Patreon because you're one of our world champions, which means you get to pick what you want us to review. Uh, so maybe you want to announce to the Up Next Universe what you have chosen. I have chosen my favourite film of all time, which is Back to the Future. Excellent. I'm very excited about this one. I'm seeing your uh, your little profile picture here on Skype, and is, <laughs> isn't that a Back to the Future thing as well? That was taken at Universal Studios in the dining room. That is a guy dressed as Dot Brown, <laughs> and that was awesome. Fantastic. 
Well, uh, we'll get round to talking about Back to the Future very soon, and maybe I can get your updated thoughts on Lost on the same show. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you very much, Chris. I know you, you've got to head to work soon, and uh, obviously thank you from everyone uh, to, to guys like you who are, who are braving it and making sure everyone can get their, their supplies during these tough times. Um, you're, yeah. Like the world is really depending on people like you and our like frontline workers, all of that at the moment. So uh, we really respect and and thank you for for doing all that uh, for us. So thank you, Chris. I hope you have a good shift. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much for this. I look forward to listening to the episode. No problem at all. Take care, mate. See you later, mate. Bye bye. Okay, so we heard from our lost virgin, Chris Price, and that's what he thought. Um, now, I think, because I know I, I'm watching you here on Skype, and all of you are just itching to get into spoiler territory. And I, I think we've, I'm gonna, like, uh, like pat ourselves on the back here. We've done really well keeping this spoiler free, uh, considering that this show is 16 years old, and we've seen it all a bunch before. Um, but just in relation to the, the pilot, cause we're going to be diving right into spoiler territory in the next two weeks. But just in regards of, uh, the pilot, was there anything you kind of saw that really kind of, uh, foreshadowed things coming ahead that, that you maybe picked up on, on this rewatch that you hadn't seen before? Um, MJ, I know you had a, a Godfather analogy, uh, you wanted to go back to. Yeah, the, the the way that they introduced John Locke with the orange in the mouth, um, a callback to, to Vito and the Godfather. Um, you know, later on, we learn that John Locke is this uh, man who is kind of devote to the island. He's devote to the cause. He believes in everybody being together, um, you know, like a head of a family would. And then also reaches a point where he's a bit aloof and you don't always have access to kind of what his thoughts are, but you know he knows things or is thinking things. Um Again, as a head of a family would, um, kind of giving out commands to different people, telling people what they should and should not be doing. Um, so I thought that was always a nice, uh, you know, use of a, a pop culture reference. Um, the other major thing that stuck out to me is how much lying takes place. You have countless instances where people kind of are deceiving each other. Um, and in the beginning, I think on the first ever watch, you just kind of get the sense like, okay, these people don't know each other. Um, we come to learn that this is constant throughout the show, and it's a game of cat and mouse. Um, it's a game of people playing off each other, um, half-truths all the time. And on the rewatch, you really see that taking hold. You just don't realize it when you haven't kind of been further down the, the story path. Uh, David, was there anything you picked up this time that uh, maybe you haven't seen before or just or just anything you want to bring up? I've noticed it before, and I won't get too much into it because it's more like the third episode. We'll get into it, but the um the opening shot where Jack's eye opens is the same way that the show comes to a conclusion, which yes. I think it's so simple but so beautiful at the same time. If you know what I mean? I believe that's one of the things we we started talking about a lot of the criticisms of um them making it up as they go along, and I definitely think they had had a lot of stuff planned, but obviously. You're filling 24 episodes of TV per season. There is stuff you're going to add and there's stuff you're maybe going to change your mind on as you go. But I believe I've heard the writers talk that that opening shot was always the 
once they realized that they were going to have Jack stick around, that was the intention for quite a while was to close that way. Um, I know I noticed something else um, that I forgot about this time round that the first line of the whole show is Walt. It's Michael calling for Walt. And that's exactly the last line of season one is Walt being taken away and Michael calling after him. Um, something I'd never picked up on before. And I always think a, a pilot, you're trying to to set little things up and set little nuggets. And I was wondering, watching this, just from that, that moment of Hurley giving um, Claire the extra food, whether that was originally going to be kind of the Charlie-Claire relationship, whether they pivoted from that. Mm. But writing the pilot, I think the kind of big friendly guy like taking care of the the single pregnant lady i think that's a story that that definitely works and it was just a nice little moment him giving the food back and i was i was wondering if maybe that would be something they'd be setting up uh down the line um kevin any kind of spoiler thoughts you have or not so much i mean not that not that directly relate to the first two episodes that we just talked about um i just think it's amazing again in this rewatch how much mystery they've already given us after just two episodes and to think that episode four has such a huge character revelation probably the biggest one that there is in my opinion or at least the most like you know shocking yes and you know and we're still what 15 episodes away from what's going to become one of the bigger mysteries of the next two seasons and again i don't know how much to say here without giving you know anything away because i'm not quite sure what the structure we're looking for is but you know the, my, my biggest mysteries and everything at least of the first three or four seasons haven't even happened yet so yes. i just find that amazing that so much has already happened and we're just getting started absolutely um i want to end up with going to some feedback i posted feedback both on forum.postwrestling.com and also on patreon.com forward slash up next um i threw out some people wanted some kind of spoiler free uh feedback we've got a, a few points here i think most people are kind of itching to uh reply next week when we go fully in depth uh i'm gonna start with neil flanagan uh also known as our man neil um he says like davy i'm a lost super fan so i'm really looking forward to these shows i was very glad to see you're rewatching the pilot in both its parts because it's really laid out as a feature length episode i remember the full pilot episode being broadcast on a single night on this side of the pond when it debuted on channel four and i can never really see it as two separate episodes we don't even really hear from saeed sawyer or hurley until the second hour random non-spoilery thoughts on the pilot it was incredibly cinematic for the time. I believe the ABC network president was fired for greenlighting the $14 million budget. It was the first chance to hear the amazing score by Michael Giacchino, which adds so much to the show. Yeah, I just want to say, Michael Giacchino is maybe my MVP of the whole thing. Uh, the score to Lost is just beautiful. And if there's ever, if we ever go back to normal where we can have concerts and things and michael giacchino is is playing this score again i want to go because this this music is just beautiful i think it adds so much character to the show um 
he goes on to say some foreshadowing that the characters aren't going to be simplistic goodies and baddies, but much more complex. The diversity of the cast and characters Lost really stood out right from the start as having characters of different racial backgrounds and from different countries. The ending, even when I rewatch it years on, Charlie saying, guys, where are we? After they hear the French message still gives me goosebumps. Looking forward to chipping in on future episodes. We get feedback from Paul Collins, who says, Pilot episode two, 12 mins in, Evangeline Lily with just her bra and pants on a beach. That is all the feedback needed, winky face. Seriously loved the show when it was on back uh, and went back and seen it a few times. So really looking forward to upcoming reviews. Uh, P.S. Keep safe and good work with the reviews. Uh, they pass the workday quicker delivering meds to people. Well, thank you for all your work, Paul. Um, we go to Tony, who's on the post-wrestling forum. Lost is the best non-HBO-type drama America has ever produced. The opening scene of the pilot is beyond anything else on television. Aside from the pilot, the words, not Penny's boat, choke me up every time. Uh, was hoping for a full series review, but we'll take what I can get. Looking forward to it. Well, we will be back um, in the next two weeks uh, on our Patreon feed, patreon.com forward slash up next. Uh, we're going to be giving the shows um, to all our patrons. So from as little as $2.05, you can get the next two reviews um, which next week we'll be looking at our favorite episodes and kind of talking about the series as a whole. And then the following week uh, to commemorate 10 years since the finale of Lost, we will be talking about the finale and our final thoughts, impressions, whether Kevin has changed his mind on the end of the show. We will see. And finally, we go to Chris from Pennsylvania. Uh, I was a freshman when Lost came out and I remember someone on my hall telling me about it. A show where people crash on a remote island, except there are polar bears and maybe also a dinosaur. I thought it sounded really dumb until I actually gave the show a chance and it instantly became one of my favourites. The pilot is arguably one of the best episodes of the entire series. It sets the tone immediately with the chaotic opening scene on the beach. After that, it does a great job of establishing a lot of different characters while also introducing the mysterious aspects of the show. I thought the scene where they find pilot Greg, Grun Greg Grunberg was great and the end where they discover the French transmission was an excellent what the fuck moment to end things on the flashbacks which are probably overdone as a storytelling device today did a great job of adding context to those of the characters who the characters were before 815 crashed overall you couldn't ask for a better start to lost a show i'd argue was the most influential american show of this century but that could be a discussion for a later podcast um, and yeah, that's the feedback. I I can't really argue with with much of that, to be honest. Um, we've been going a, a very long time, so uh, let's start to wrap this up. But any any final thoughts or words before we put an end to pilot part one and two, MJ? Oh, just looking forward to kind of getting into um, some of the better, you know, best moments of the show. Um, Tony's and not Penny's boat, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, this show hit on so many levels it's easy to see why it was beloved it's also easy to see why it was controversial or crit criticized in later seasons uh we'll get into all that but uh it's been very fun to kind of go back and relive uh you know lost uh david yeah um to echo what mj said 
it's uh, great to go back and revisit this. If you're listening to this, jump on the ride with us for sure. Um, and I'm just excited to get into like the real meat of this show. Absolutely. Next episode. And Kevin. Uh, yeah, because of how significant this show was for me when it originally aired, uh, it's been a wicked trip down memory lane to to get back into it and, and relive some of those incredible moments. Um, in particular, over the first two seasons that I've watched so far, it's just been absolutely amazing to sort of see some of the things that have happened. I, I think season three is the peak of the show, too, in terms of a lot of the mysteries. Um, so I'm excited to get into that. And then again, to see how I feel about how it all wraps up uh, on us on a second viewing. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, I'm glad I don't have much going on. So <laughs> I think I have about um, I think it's something like 40 hours left. So yeah. it's going to be uh, an interesting binge over the next seven days. At this point, I'm on season three, episode 13, I believe. So I'm I'm pretty much just over the halfway mark, I think uh yeah so very excited to to reliving it all again uh as i mentioned just a moment ago uh the next two episodes will be available on our patreon um it will be available for all tiers so as from as little as two dollars five cents you can get the the next two episodes along with a load of bonus shows we've thrown out to our cruiserweight tier on the patreon um this was our free review replacing our star wars review for this month but uh, don't fear, we will be back with our Rise of Skywalker review next month. Obviously, you can listen to Brayden and I talk all about NXT this Wednesday night. Uh, I'm back uh, after a week off um, and we'll be on youtube.com forward slash up next with our live post NXT show at 10.30 on Wednesday night. And then on our Patreon with our AEW review on Thursday, we've also got our review of Love, Simon coming out this week with our man Neil. Uh, we are also reviewing um, Money in the Bank, which is happening this weekend. Join us for free for our watch along on youtube.com forward slash up next. Uh, MJ, you've been on a few of our watch alongs in the past. They're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, we'll get the white claws in, get some pizza throw on some empty arena wrestling and watch 12 idiots run up uh, the corporate building to try and grab a briefcase off a roof, roof during a global pandemic. What more could you want on your Sunday evenings? Um, so yeah, that's going to be fun. Join us for that on Sunday. Uh, you can follow me at Davey Portman on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow up next on Twitter at up next podcast and you can follow my usual partner in crime, Braden Harrington, at the Bray D. Uh, now, before we go, if you would just like to plug anything you have to plug, MJ, where can people find you? Uh, find me in the post wrestling forums. Uh, always looking for a good debate. And, uh, you know, everyone stay safe out there. Um, you know, keep well, be smart. And uh, that's it. Uh, David, where can we find you? Uh, no Twitter for me, but um, probably going to be getting a new Twitter in the next week or so. Okay, so we can plug that in a future episode. Yeah, and yeah. Kevin, where can we find you and and your boys at Geekcentric? Yeah, check us out at uh, youtube.com forward slash Geekcentric or on Twitter at GeekcentricYT. Um, again, if you're a fan of uh, anything pop culture and uh, particularly toys, collectibles, all those sorts of goodies, uh, I'd love for you guys to come check us out. We have some fun content. 
Absolutely. Um, well, that brings an end to this show. We've gone a, a very long time, but it, it's been worth it. I've I've loved this discussion. It's been very therapeutic as well. Um, so thank you for joining us. I'll see you all again uh, next week, and I'll be speaking to all of you again tomorrow. So thank you, guys. Take care. Be safe. Guys, where are we? Ahoy! Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt, especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.